new space, isn't it? This library is amazing. Yeah, the Northeast Regional Library in Louisville has a podcasting studio. And this is our first recording in the new studio. This is our first of a seven-part series. Yes, we're excited about that, too. Do you want to uh, let everyone know? So, um, Tani McGregor has a new book out you may have heard of. It's called um, Ink and Ideas, Sketch Notes for Engagement, Comprehension, and Thinking. Yes, in this book, you can hardly help but flip through and look through all the pages and admire all of the design that's in this and all the possibilities for capturing kids thinking. So Mary, what what um, got you started in wanting to purchase this book? Well, I've been dabbling with sketch notes for a little while. I think they appeal to me personally just because I love to annotate. I just have done it forever. I don't think anyone taught me how to do it. I think it's just something I did and annotating books even books that you read for pure pleasure has always been fun to me because i like to share my books with other people and annotations are kind of um like a window into that person's thought process and that's something that appeals to me as a reader and as a a thinker but also as a teacher what do you think yeah i was interested in i I work with teachers who teach young children. And so we we talk a lot about uh, engagement and the students um, taking notes and being engaged during the lesson. And she uses a lot of color in the sketch noting and um, different ways to organize student thought and just thinking about a a student just learning to read and um, learning to write putting words together to make sentences. It's not always easy for them to capture their thoughts in words, but most students sketch or draw. Um, That's something that they're interested in doing. It comes naturally, and it's a way for them to have some kind of non-linguistic representation of of their thinking, and, and it's personal to them. So I'm very, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to use it, Mm -hmm. to share with teachers that I work with and to share thoughts in some of the upcoming episodes. You and I were talking earlier about how this pulls together a lot of what we already know about pedagogy and teaching practices that are effective with different kids. And you just mentioned young kids, but also we know color coding is hugely helpful for kids to be able to um, trigger their memory or to help them see where different areas of content might um, be separate and then how they can be um, merged together. And also I was thinking, of course, about all my English learners and how they depend really a lot on visuals and visual representation for communication until they start to acquire um, some English language. And a lot of them will draw Uh, pretty sophisticated pictures before they can actually write a piece Um, and the drawing and the labeling you and I've talked about many times how successful that strategy is for a lot of kids so the color aspect the design aspect the lettering um, all of it it just seems like it goes with what we know about how kids think and you you just mentioned memory and you had mentioned earlier 
TED Talk that mm-hmm. you had seen about memory. Yeah, there was a TED Talk, and I can't remember the name of the presenter, but uh, you're going to link it, right? Yes. yes. Um, in the With the podcast. But he was talking about how our brain is uh, wired for visual representation and symbolic um, memory. And he presented it in a really interesting way to the crowd that was watching the TED Talk, and he was able to show all of them how much more easily they could remember a few things he drew um, rather than, even over time through the talk, rather than just the words that he said. So that um, was one of the things that really got me interested in this whole idea because we do want to know that what we're doing isn't just fun, although fun's important, but we also want it to be connected to our favorite thing, brain research. <laughs> I don't know many people who would say that's their favorite thing, but... Well, and and it takes me back to, of course, I've always, my brain always goes back to the students and if they can do something themselves, of course, um, it does help them not only learn the content, but internalize it, which mm-hmm. is what we want. That's how learning occurs. So hearing that example that you had shared earlier from the TED Talk um, really just reinforces the importance of this book and I cannot wait to dive in and hopefully um, you join us for the next six sessions and she shares a little bit in the very beginning the opening um, that we're talking about tonight she shares a story about how her mom always like you would annotate her books and she says that it was the most personal gift that her mother could give she would give away these books that that were annotated and it it was just a collection of her her own thoughts and um, her visuals are recorded forever and you were kind of talking about how what a special gift that is grandmother's recipes passed down in their own handwriting yeah. I have some you shared yeah. that you had some and um, how special it is because it's it's from them it's not just typed out mm-hmm. um, from a computer but in their own handwriting and mm-hmm. and we have been teaching kids to annotate books for you know new ideas or questions they have or connections they're making and that for me, in my experience, that has been really successful with students to get them to understand that they should be processing and that they're bringing something to the reading process. It's not just words on a page, but it's also what's happening inside of them and their experiences that helps them you know, realize the book is for them. They're annotating it because they're supposed to be interacting with it. And this really just takes that one step further, I think, by letting you add some really beautiful design to that type of thinking and deepening their comprehension and deepening their comprehension oh and we have to say this too um this book i know alicia mentioned is by tanny mcgregor and honestly when i saw the cover of the book that alone got my attention because the design of the cover is so interesting and the color choices but then uh, alicia you were with me and you said tanny mcgregor (laughs) do you remember why you said that uh yes because she um you may know her early work Um, comprehension connections and she really makes those comprehension strategies hands-on she has a way in that the comprehension connections book to make reading comprehension strategies concrete for learners Mm -hmm. I've seen it firsthand help um, help students really grasp visualization or synthesizing she does it in a way that is hands-on and um, you know makes it visible 
really, something that's really complex. Yes, she makes deep understandings very accessible to teachers and then therefore accessible to their students. We were also talking about you and I non-linguistic representations and note making over note taking. And it's funny that we had never really talked about this before, but I told you I had done some professional development around note making as being more effective for helping kids process and remember concepts than just the traditional note taking. And you had said that you had recently been thinking about that same topic, right? Yes. So it's not always easy to know the difference between those two, note-taking and note-making, but my understanding is that note-making means that you're interacting with the information. You're not just passively copying down what someone is putting on, you know, a document camera or in a PowerPoint. You are actually interacting at the moment and then making decisions about how you're going to represent what you're thinking. So that you're able to come back to it and know what that subject matter was. Exactly. I think it's hard to take somebody else's notes down a lot of times and then leave it for a moment or two or days, come back to it, and then try to figure out, what was that again? I I don't remember everything. And um, I think her note making Mm -hmm. has a way to personalize it to where someone could leave it for a while, come back, and through their interpretation and their um, their own notes, understand it and be able to pick it back up and, and retrieve it quickly. And you and I also talked about, because we are lovers of books and writing and text and words, how this process can be a little bit intimidating because you want to make sure that you're capturing all that you want to remember from a time that you were listening or reading and that not being linear sequential sometimes the way is the way the sketch notes can be laid out in all different configurations that those are choices you have to make and they're not necessarily left to right with a return sweep kind of kind of um, recording all right and um i think that you were saying, Alicia, because we were looking at an example of someone's sketch notes. Um, even if that doesn't make sense to me, that person's sketch notes exactly to recapture what they heard or read, it was going to make sense to that person. And I know that for sure because I've been just playing around with doing this for a while now. And there are all kinds of cool um, design elements that you can learn, which we'll get into later. That's the fun stuff. <laughs> as you would say. And also there's a lot out there on the internet and um, there are books that are being published right now about sketch noting and Tani McGregor talks about um, the Sketch Note Society and how she's had people who've helped her along and learn how to sketch note um, and how to connect with some great thinkers who also were sketch noting. Some of the people she talked about are pretty familiar, right? Yes. Um, Jim Henson was one that I was loving to see. What about you? Um, She has a little snippet in here about um, Alexander Graham Bell. Mm -hmm. And I love it because she said, his handwriting is scratchy, his sketches are quirky. (laughs) Yes. And I I just kind of love that. Um, Delightfully weird. Yes, and the Atlantic (laughs) even calls his notebooks delightfully weird. I love that. Um, But it's just, it's interesting to see all of these uh, influential people throughout history and these snippets of, 
notes and and the artifacts and how they're drawn and written and um, some very intellectual people, some very creative people, just different types of um, of people throughout history and, and how they used sketch noting in their work. I really want to see Jane Goodall's sketch notes of her work out in the field. That would be so cool to see. Well, I think that we're committed to this, right, Alicia? We're yeah. going to get started, and not only are we going to talk about underpinning research for sketch noting, but we're also going to be trying these strategies with students and teachers, and we will be sharing our journey. We will have some interesting um, things to put on our blog and maybe even some pictures on our website yes. of some of the things we do. And we're just excited, and we hope you'll stay with us. And our next episode will be Chapter 1, and it's called More Than Just a Pretty Page, Sketch Noting Words and Pictures Together. I love it. But you know, as I read her book, I get excited about her different fonts, and instead of reading all the text, I start trying to copy her fonts. Danny, why did you do this to me? And I love that she gave us huge margins in the book because, you know, it would be... Not a book for sketch noters if it didn't have big margins. So, yes, we got a lot to look forward to. So, uh, we'll see you next time. Okay. Bye.